This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. On Shabbat, our souls luxuriate in the glow of worthiness, and this recharge allows us to re-enter the work week with clarity about who we are, what we're worth, and from whom we come. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. Recently, I read a book that was so profoundly moving for me, it, it shook me to my core. And I actually wrote a book review about it on my social media. I, I don't typically post about that sort of thing. And, you know, I've been an avid reader since I was five years old. Books are my place of refuge. They're my first choice for companionship. And even though I'm an extrovert by nature and the energy of people lifts me and inspires me, it's the theater of my mind that happens when I'm reading that's truly my favorite pastime. So this book, it was short and both funny and heartbreaking. It's the story of a woman of 70 who suffers a stroke that leaves her unable to move or speak or even eat. She's fed through a tube in her stomach. and She enters a care facility and she shares a ward with women in similar situations, much older than her, whether with dementia, the kind that's associated with the elderly or Alzheimer's disease. But she herself is all there, as they say. But she's unable to navigate her new status, particularly as she was both by circumstance and by nature a very independent, headstrong woman. So finding herself requiring assistance for all of her daily and very intimate needs, she examines in her head the system of personal care workers, of nurses, and even of the family and visitors of her roommates. And with a scathing wit and a jaded and slightly embittered tone, she also has the time to examine her own life as a single parent, her relationship with her son and her daughter, and her relationship with her best friend, to whom she is writing this in her mind. So to me, it was a testament to the momentum value of human dignity, how we need it, how we must give it, how easily we feel robbed of it. And it addresses one of life's most important questions, what constitutes the value of a human life? These questions are being asked today around end-of-life issues, of personal agency, and choices about death. This is one woman's story, but it closely reflects the Jewish perception of the value of a human being and the absolute sanctity of human life. In whatever circumstances it finds itself, we learn that we were created Betzalem Elohim, in the image of God. Essentially, each of us is a soul, a piece of the divine, and that consciousness enters a body that will carry it hopefully for 120 years. So there's this Jewish idea that the soul sees its life ahead before it comes into its body and that it agrees to the mission, that a soul understands that the purpose of life in a body is to elevate and perfect that soul, and that all that occurs to it while it's housed in a body 
is perfectly tailored to what that soul needs to elevate it, to perfect it. You know, I often talk about our greatness being found not in what happens to us, but in who we are in the face of what happens to us. And while what happens to us here in our bodies might be physically difficult, might be challenging, might even be painful, we still have the option of using that circumstance as a way of personal refinement. In an interview with Dr. Edith Eager, the Holocaust survivor and author of the extraordinary book called The Choice, the interviewer was discussing Dr. Eager's time in Auschwitz, the concentration camp. And this is what she says. We all have a story, but I refuse to be my story. I was victimized, but I'm not a victim. I am equipped to guide others from victimization to empowerment. Life is just one day. The morning sunshine is not coming back. I am in the twilight of my life. I want to die happy. In May of 1944, I arrived in Auschwitz and I was taken from a cable car to a line. I was there with my sister Magda, who is alive and well. The guards pointed my mother to the right and me and my sister to the left. The guards said, you will see your mother again. She's going to take a shower. Of course, Dr. Eager never saw her mother again. And then the interviewer says this. You didn't get pulled into the negativity. In Auschwitz, you saw the worst come out in people, and also you saw the best. And Dr. Eager's response about how one can see both the worst and even the best in such vile circumstances, well, it stopped me short. She said, it, meaning Auschwitz, really revealed if you were a giver or a taker. You see, Dr. Mengele gave me a piece of bread after I was finished forced dancing for him, and I shared the bread with the other girls. Later, when I was on a death march, I was slowing down. And when you slow down, they shoot you. So the girls to whom I previously gave the bread, they formed a human chair to carry me, and they saved my life. My mother told me that they can take away everything, but they can't take away your mind. And in this book I just finished, the work that the lead character does to refine her mind in the solitude of her silence shows the triumph of the human spirit in a way that makes us want to do the work now before we face any trials. This story reminds me that we are human beings, not human doings. That our value lies not in our productivity or in how busy we are. That our worth is apparent while we are still drawing breath. One of the tools that you can use to reach the consciousness of your value, even when you're not producing, is Shabbat. Shabbat, where we are told to stop creating, to remember that there is a creator. Shabbat, which is the weekly reminder of the creation of the world, which was created on six days, and on the seventh day, God ceased creating. God rested, as it were. And if God could cease creating, then certainly we can do the same. It helps us to internalize that we have profound value, even when we're resting. All of the laws of Shabbat reinforce the joy and the dignity of life. 
not attached to our identities through our work or through our accomplishments. You know, being busy 24-7 is really not something to be unduly proud of. It's not bragging rights. To remember that we're souls first, we must cease the delusion of control that we internalize through working and productivity only through our bodies. On Shabbat, our souls luxuriate in the glow of worthiness, and this recharge allows us to re-enter the work week with clarity about who we are, what we're worth, and from whom we come. This week, can we take a small step towards this clarity, marking, honoring, celebrating Shabbat in a way that best suits us? Can you light your Shabbat candles and tell yourself that life is beautiful and that I'm enough, I'm more than enough, I am here purposely, and I don't need to hustle for worthiness through any accomplishments or productivity to be deserving of dignity. And if that is true for me, then it is also true for those in my life, for every human being. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.